Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the big dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and today I'm joined with one man, a ruthless wanderer, a lone warrior, Jonathan. Hey, Corey, how you doing, man? <laughs> Good, how's it going, man? It's a beautiful Saturday. It is. Hot outside? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's Simi Valley. It's always hot. Jonathan, let's talk about the National Lampoon's movies. Of course, today we're covering not National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation, but rather just Vegas Vacation. The first one in this series did not have that one in the title. Maybe the only one, right? It is the only one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They even made other movies that weren't Vacation that were titled National Lampoon's, but this was the only one that was out of all that franchise, I guess. Yeah, they had a Didn't bunch of have movies. National Lampoons. That was a magazine. As, yeah. That's my understanding, right? Yes. So it was like a, I don't know, a, an edgy magazine, and then somehow it was like, it was like a like Mad TV mag or Mad magazine before. Yeah. I don't know. They they had stories in them, yeah. and I think I think the first vacation movie, National Lampoon's Vacation, the '83 film, yeah, was based on a John Hughes short story, right? That's what I read. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. And then know he wrote a accurate. full script eventually. And that's a movie you've seen, right? Like, you're familiar with this Yeah, franchise. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I love the first one. I mean, that's that's classic movie right there. So, the first vacation movie, National Lampoon's Vacation, rated our film. Like you said, a classic. Pretty well beloved. Yeah. Written by John Hughes. Big name. Yeah. Directed by Harold Ramis. Big name. Egon. Yeah. yeah. 93% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. I believe it, 100%. That actually, I one other fact about that. So that movie had a $15 million budget in 83. Do you know how much it made in box office? No, how much? $61 million for 1983. Fuck. For a f totally like different kind of film. Like There wasn't really anything else out there at the time that was like that. See, so, yeah, I'm not that familiar with the vacation movies outside yeah. of Vegas Vacation. So I'm going to kind of defer to you on some of this. So that one, you can kind of refresh my memory. As far as I remember it, I saw it once as a kid. The yeah. only thing I remember from it are Beverly D'Angelo's tits. But like, they want to go to Six Flags, Magic Mountain, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, they called it Wally World. It, it, it's like a, a family man that like, he's... Borderline retarded. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how he came up with this character, but like, also anything that could go wrong for this guy will go wrong. So it's that kind of 80s John Hughes, like planes, trains, automobiles kind of thing. Yeah, and that same exact character. Uh, um, Chevy Chase has kept that character really well through all the different vacation movies, which was pretty good. And same with Beverly D'Angelo. She did a really good job. Like, just every time nailing that same character. And the kids always change, right? The kids were different every movie. I mean, they yeah. do they grow up at a correct rate? Like, how old? No, 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 no. It was like, in, in 1983, they were like, I don't know, 13, 14 years old, something like that maybe. But then like in this one, in Vegas Vacation, which is how many years later? Another 15 years later, and they're still like... 18, 19 years old. I see. So they, they didn't age enough as much as they should have. No, not not in the correct time lapse. So after National Lampoon's Vacation was such a big hit, they did a sequel, the obligatory sequel, two years later, 1985. This one was rated PG-13. This was European Vacation. It got a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes critic score. But this one also had some big names. Like John Hughes did write it. 
and it was directed by Amy Heckerling, who was she's a pretty well-renowned uh, director. She did like Clueless and the Look Who's Talking movies, which were pretty big hits. Yeah. That one you said is bad, though. You told me about that earlier. I've honestly never really been able to watch the whole thing. <laughs> so I mean, it's that bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the problem is like I've watched the first one. I've watched Christmas Vacation, and I've watched. Vegas Vacation, and then you try to hold all those movies to the same level of, of standard, you know? And um, the European Vacation one is just just garbage compared to the others. That's It kind of is like the like this redheaded stepchild of the series, even, the, even the compared adopted, to Vegas Vacation. The adopted redheaded stepchild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Adopted and a stepchild. Yeah, and redheaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This kid's now going nowhere in life. <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> so, uh, European Vacation. I haven't seen it. I never don't, really gave don't it waste a fair your shake. Time. Uh, there's also Christmas Vacation. So this one came out. I didn't write down the year. I'll assume a couple years later. <laughs> PG-13 as well. I want to say that one was like like early 90s. Okay. Right around there. 66% on Rotten Tomatoes. Also written by John Hughes. Uh, new director, uh, Jeremy Chechik. Who was he directed some other pretty decent movies. Benny and June is the one I know him from personally. Great movie. So that one I I've seen most of. It wasn't really my jam, but so you have an attachment to it though, right? Yeah, um and for the record, nineteen eighty nine was Christmas vacation. Fair enough. Um that movie has been one that my family has watched year in and year out for around Christmas time every single year. It's kind of just become one of those traditions. Everybody enjoys it. We enjoy quoting it. We enjoy the same stupid lines and the same stupid Clark Griswold. It's just become a tradition and it's probably my most enjoyable uh, film out of the whole uh, series. Okay. So I should probably give that one another chance. Like I said, I, I I've seen like most of it, but I don't. Know, I think I got to give it the full like maybe during Christmas time when the, yeah. the mood is right and the you know the festivities are in the air. Yeah, on. for sure. I mean, I could even watch that movie any time of the year. It doesn't matter to me, but you know, it's a little different around Christmas time, and you just have to go into it with the same perspective of of the other National Lampoon's movies. It's campy. It's you know, real cheesy jokes. A lot of dad jokes, you know, those those caliber uh, but, of jokes. But even still, like those up until Vegas Vacation, didn't they all have like a slight edge to them? Like Vegas Vacation is very safe compared to those. Like I remember the, the one joke I remember from Christmas Vacation is he's like cutting down a huge tree or something. And what, some like guys like, hey, grandpa, what are you doing with that tree or something? And he goes like, bend over and I'll show you or something. Yeah, definitely some some adult oriented jokes you know i think all the the national lampoons are going to be like that so this one doesn't qualify because this is not a national lampoons this is just <laughs> vegas vacation this yeah. one came out much later 1997 yeah so they kept it going this one's directed by steven kessler not very many credits to this man's name he doesn't even have a wikipedia link so uh i guess he kind of fell off but i think vegas vacation is a competently made movie. And I'm going to say this before I start bashing it, which I probably will do inevitably, that I do like Vegas Vacation. Like, I like it, but it's also 
kind of bad. Like it's it's not a great movie. This but, seems to but be I a enjoy tr- it. It seems to be a trend that we actually like bad movies. So, sometimes, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I love Congo, but like <laughs> Congo is my- way better than this, and I did not like Congo at all. <laughs> that's always my go-to example. But in a lot of ways, I have a fondness for Vegas Vacation, even though it's like not necessarily good or funny. It remains watchable to me. So Vegas Vacation is the one we're going to talk about. I say we go into the movie. Why don't you take it off? Like, it it kicks off with Clark Griswold driving like a lunatic. You can tell he has something on his mind, and he's looking at a pamphlet. He's, like, running over people's lawns and almost killing kids. Yeah, definitely. I think this was, like, right at the beginning of, like, the large SUV era, you know? Um, He was driving a brand new, like, Ford Expedition or something. That was, like, one of the biggest SUVs you could get at the time. And he's just driving so erratic, like running past stop signs, up on the sidewalk, dodging light poles, you know, kids on their rollerblades out there. Like, it's just unbelievable that he even made it home. But he's staring at a Las Vegas brochure. Like, you can tell all he has on his mind is Vegas. I mean, he even pulls in the driveway so hot that he skids across the driveway to park, you know? That's pretty unbelievable. That's a good observation. Yeah. And then he was also singing Beach Boys as well. The house that he pulled into at the beginning of that movie uh, and parked is the same exact house from Christmas Vacation. Okay, so there's a good yeah. bit of continuity. Yeah, and and then that they um, have always lived in Chicago as well. Okay, there's continuity so, so between all the different vacations. In general, would you say this movie maintains like the Griswold family continuity pretty well? Yeah, pretty well. I mean, realistically, the only like change in in the family is just they replace the kids aside from that family members are the same characters or same actors throughout all four different movies so that's really the only change and so he he comes home to his family and he says all right we're going on another vacation i assume all the vacation movies start this way i have no idea but like we're gonna do it again guys We're, we're up and at it he said we're going to las vegas and the family's a little reluctant but you know they agree one of the things that sticks out to me most about the beginning is when they get on the plane. Because, like, it's not just them, like, let's go to Vegas. And then they're in Vegas. Like, it shows them on the actual plane. Yeah. He tries to fuck on the plane, does he not? He tries to fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he asks uh, Ellen if she wants to join the Mile High Club. And uh, so, anyways, so she goes back to the restroom and he has to go meet her there. And totally in Clark Griswold fashion, he opens the first door to the restroom. And obviously, there's a fucking kid in there, you know, like you couldn't get away with that. These he doesn't days. just open and look in like he enters no. yeah. and then the door closes. Yeah. And then after like a second, the kid leaves. Like yeah. we don't know what Dude. happened in that one second. Dude, like how do you not know? Like that thing is like. Three foot by three foot maximum. Like if he walked in there, like that kid's face was in his crotch, you know, <laughs> like, oops. Like, how do you not see this kid in there? He does find Ellen though. And yeah. uh, they, they try to get it on, but it's clear that you can't do that in those bathrooms. Those bathrooms are fucking small. Yeah, dude, there's no way. I mean, unless you're like, you know, two anorexic people <laughs> in that bathroom, like there's no way you have enough space to do anything. And some somehow, and I've never really understood how this happens, she gets her foot in the toilet. Yeah. So, he tries to, like, fish her out and, like, they have all that, like, blue shit, like, yeah. uh, like cleansing shit that is in there instead of water yeah. on, on, like, his hand. Yeah. And when they get to Vegas, 
I mean, which we'll talk about a little bit more, but like, I, I do appreciate the joke when like he goes up to Julia Sweeney at the front desk and she's like, oh, uh, you're, she like notices his hand has all the blue shit. And he's like, oh, that's a birthmark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's total Clark Griswold jokes, man. I mean, that's that type of line is like fluid between all the different movies for sure. That, that same exact kind of humor, like total smart ass. And when they are gawking at Vegas, when they get in their limo and it's just like showing all of Vegas, there's like a few movies like this where you see a scene like this. Yeah, typical. You're like driving down the strip because they've never been there before, you know, and just looking at all the lights and wow, it's amazing. It kind of is. The thing, I've been to Vegas a couple times, but I've never gone and like partied in Vegas. I've gone there to get married and I've gone there sober and I went as a kid like maybe around the time this movie was made even. And uh, it is pretty impressive. I, I take it you're a man that's been to Vegas a few times. Yeah. Uh, why would you say that? Um, anyway, Something just tells me, Jonathan. I, I used to have to travel there for work several times a year. So I'd be there for like 10 to 14 days at a time, sometimes two, three times a year. So of course I've, I've experienced a lot of Vegas. A lot. And all the things they have to offer. All the things they have to offer? Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> don't tell my wife I have herpes. <laughs> Those um, don't stay in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, and in that scene, my favorite part is when Audrey gets stuck in the sunroof. Yeah. And she's totally got hard nips. No, it's amazing. She? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I totally, like, had a crush on her. <laughs> like, how old was I? Like, 11 years old or something like that? Like, oh, man. She's pretty good looking, yeah. Definitely the only one that I ever had attachment feelings for. Just like me. Like, I remember Beverly D'Angelo's tits from the first vacation. Yeah. Movie. You know, you see these movies as kids. Yeah. You remember the notable scenes. Yeah, for sure. Totally notable. Uh, but as on my recent rewatch, I did yeah. appreciate... They set up, actually a few things subtly in the scene where they're gawking at Vegas. Yeah. Um, they a, a taxi drives by and it has the club areola on the top of it and you see Cousin yeah. Vicky in the sign. Yeah. So like that's set up there. Yeah. There's, Isn't it funny that like it, it's like a, I mean, you know they, they are referencing club areola as a strip club, but, <laughs> but it's really not. It but is just not. The, but the word areola, like, uh, come on. This movie is rated PG. I know. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's so funny. We can talk about it now. It doesn't really matter what order we go in, but when they go to the strip club later on, like it's clearly just like a regular nightclub with some go-go dancers. Yeah. But like it's set up like cousin Vicky is this like big time stripper and she's like she's on a pole just like flailing her arm around in circles. It's so fucking yeah, stupid. Yeah, like she's like doing an arm windmill or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she is not a good dancer at all. <laughs> she is not. And she's like on their billboards. Like she's yeah. the rep- she's the face of Club Ariola. Yeah. And so one of the other things they set up in that in that scene was there's a sign that says win four cars. In, oh, in, I didn't even in, catch in, that. In neon lights. I didn't catch that. Specifically win four cars. Which the, Rusty does later, obviously. Yeah, definitely. The the setup that I caught was Ellen seeing the Wayne Newton ad. Yeah. Um, that set up, you know, like you could literally like see her panties get wet in that moment <laughs> yeah. because she was like staring at Wayne Newton. It was just like, oh, 
God. Dude, this is why we need a woman on the podcast. I, I would really like to know if Wayne Newton is attractive. Dude, I sincerely how, would. How could you have Rob Schneider's twin brother like be attractive? You know, like Deuce I Bigelow, you mean? Oh my god, yeah. Dude, <laughs> twins. The hair? Yeah, they could totally match each other. Rob Schneider could play Wayne Newton in a Wayne Newton movie. The thing is, Wayne Newton, I, I was thinking about this too. I never considered this as a kid. So he plays himself in this movie. And he plays kind of a fucking slime ball. Yeah. So like Think about it. You're like a famous guy already. You don't necessarily need to be in Vegas vacation. I yeah. mean, it definitely was not a good script. So yeah. he agreed well, to be in this movie, but like, don't you think it puts him in a negative light? Kind of, but it was kind of a play on things because he was actually happily married at the time too. But I think he was living in Vegas and doing Vegas shows yeah. at the time. Yeah, he had a so, show. So who cares? It was free promotion, you know? That's a good point. Realistically, like this movie, my first note on the movie almost is that, or, or from the point where they start driving up the strip, is like, this is a Vegas ad. This whole movie <laughs> was made to promote Vegas. And I wonder if there was some kind of like economic downturn at the time in Vegas, like things were a little slow or something like that. And that this was like somebody's idea of bringing some big stars and Vegas, uh, like nostalgia some, to the screen and you know like hey let's let's uh, advertise vegas more that's a good point i you're, you're probably absolutely right about that actually so they, they do arrive in their hotel in vegas uh they're where are they staying mirage mirage yeah beautiful right. hotel it's awesome if you've never been there it's really cool it's nice to stay there they got a killer uh, brunch buffet. Who's advertising Vegas now? <laughs> hey, dude. I just know what I know, okay? Hey, look. Vegas may ha- may or may not have paid us to do this podcast. <laughs> the city of Las Vegas came together during quarantine. They yeah, said, right. we need some podcasts to get our name out there for when quarantine ends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they went to oh, Big man. Dumb Movie. <laughs> of all people, they went to Big Dumb Movie and said, you know what? We're going to give you like $5 slot play <laughs> if you guys plug a movie for us. Here's, here's a voucher. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, we get some Vegas shenanigans pretty shortly after, but I just want to say Julia Sweeney, Pat, is working at the Mirage front desk, which is pretty funny. I don't know if this is true. I read an IMDb fact that the directions she gives are accurate. So she gives these, it's a joke. It's not a funny joke, but they say like, how do we get to our room? Now, in order to get to your rooms, you're going to have to go this way through the casino, veer to the left. Take a sharp right at the first giant palm tree. You'll see a group of blackjack tables, not baccarat, not craps, blackjack. Take another right and then wind around to your left. If you get to the pool, you've gone too far back up and take another right. You'll see a bank of elevators. Those aren't your elevators, stay away from them. But keep walking, you'll see another bank of elevators, the gold elevators, those are yours. Take them up to the 10th floor, take a right at the end of the hallway, you'll find your room. Any questions? Uh, No, not really. It's confusing directions, but like, that's not funny. Like the the directions are confusing, but apparently it's accurate, which it's weird to me that it's like the joke isn't funny, but like they took the time to make sure it was accurate. But that makes it funny. I guess it does actually. Like, Well, if you have any familiarity with Vegas, you never really see the check-in desk right away. Okay. Because obviously they want you to gamble. They want you to see the lights. They want you to see the casino, right? That's the impressive part. So going through the casino, then you find the check-in desk and then it's just a nightmare usually to find your actual room and and where the elevators are 
and things like that because you have to follow all these signs. You have to follow, uh, go through the casino. Like it's strategic on the like build of the casinos and hotels. Like they build the hotel around the casino so that you purposely have to view the casino and spend money. And you got to like dodge timeshare guys like, hey, how you guys doing on your trip? And like some super like strangely friendly person approaches you and like stands directly in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. There, there can be some weirdos. Yeah. So I think they've gotten better about a lot of that stuff. I mean, I was in, I just went to Vegas last month. It was pretty cool. Uh, but it was still like, it was kind of weird with all the COVID rules and stuff. Oh yeah, that's right. You went during the whole. (laughs) Yeah. Smart guy. Yeah. I went right in the middle of when Vegas was having a part of the problem. (laughs) I wore a mask, dude. When I wasn't drinking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, all right, we get a couple things set up here. So, Clark Griswold, Chevy Chase, he really wants to gamble. Like, he's, that's why he wants to go primarily. So, like, he does pretty early on. And while he's doing that, Cousin Eddie catches up with him. Now, maybe you can give me a little bit of a history lesson on Cousin Eddie. He's played by Randy Quaid. What is what is he like? Like, how do you describe Cousin Eddie to someone that doesn't know anything about him? Cousin Eddie is the guy that, like, he always has the best of intentions and has the biggest heart, but chaos always follows him around everywhere he goes. He, like, I mean, just weird stuff, man. Like, he... I think he's kind of an alcoholic and he's missing part of his skull and has like a metal plate in his head. He's sold a, a kidney or two or he's three. Also I don't a know. Very greasy white trash guy. A hundred and ten percent greasy white trash. Like he probably showers once a week. Probably has never been to the dentist. <laughs> he doesn't oh. need to go to the dentist. He lives in a place that's radioactive and he says his teeth have never been wider. That's true, that's true. Well, in the previous movies, they're like living in like, I don't know, dude, like BFE Kansas or something. Maybe they're out like with Review to Josh in Alabama. Yeah, somewhere out that way, like east of California, Nevada. (laughs) Like that's where, that's what the rest of the country looks like. Yeah, somewhere not California, somewhere bad, AKA not California. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and he's always just been just total trailer trash. Yeah, absolutely. In the Christmas movie, the same, he's sold every last thing that he had to buy the worst possible RV you could ever imagine. And he's just got a ton of fucking kids. Yeah, it's like, like an undisclosed time. amount of kids. Like there might be like eight, there might be 15 of them. I don't know. Yeah, un- undisclosed for <laughs> sure. That's a good number. So we'll get more on Cousin Eddie later. They have him show up just to like say like, okay, well, he lives near Vegas and he's going to be a part of this too. The family, before they kind of separate, which is really what I like about the movie is when they kind of all go do their own thing and it breaks into multiple stories. But before all that happens... They're spending family time together, and they go see the very famous Siegfried and Roy magician show, magic show that they have or had in Vegas. They don't have that anymore, do they? No, one of them's dead. No shit? Yeah, I think one of them got, like, killed by his tiger. I thought one of them was attacked but lived. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Tiger King... Sounds better that that he's dead. If Tiger King has taught me anything, it's that people that own 
big cats like this are usually fucking psychos. Like, yeah. I'm not saying these guys definitely are, but they own big cats. You, so. you have to be like, you have to have like a hint of insanity to be able to like fearlessly face these big cats day in and day out and put them to work. And know? to quote like, unquote tame them. Dude, yeah. like to, to put something to work that could kill you without even trying. Like, come on. You, you gotta have some mind control shit or something to do that. My question for you, Jonathan, is yeah. have you ever seen the Siegfried and Roy show? No. No, you've never seen it? No. I've actually seen very few shows in Vegas. I saw Blue Man Group which was pretty sick. It's like a comedy and music, live music. And like they have, I mean, just amazing, like drumming and guitar and bass uh, show um, along with like paint and um, water and, and comedy, like physical comedy. They don't even, they don't speak, but it's such a good show. It's so worth it. What about uh Cirque de Soleil? I've been to a <laughs> Soleil. <laughs> I've been to a couple of those. And the production of these things is just so amazing. Like, I don't even understand how the people do the things that they do, like, physically. And and the writing for this show, I mean, it's like, I've heard stories of, like, people have to be, like, on drugs to come up with the storylines and the creativity that that these shows incorporate. It's just it's like knocked up. Do you remember they, like, to eat mushrooms and they go see it? You ever yeah, see that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> funny shit, dude. Exactly. I think there was, like... Wasn't there um, um, fear and loathing in Las Vegas? Don't they go to a show like that or something? When no, they go up? to like this like knockoff circus circus, oh, yeah, and it's just like it insanity yeah. around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're on like mescaline and they're fucking losing it. Like, yeah, that's that's a good Vegas movie right there. Yeah, that, that's an all time classic. I fucking Vegas movie. love that movie. But Siegfried and Roy, they have their, like, Magician Tiger show. They bring Clark up on stage, and, like, the joke is, like, the first trick they do is they make him disappear, and then they make him reappear at the end of the show, which is pretty fucked up. Like, imagine you spend 150 bucks on these tickets, and you're just, like, yeah, fucking backstage or whatever during the show because you quote-unquote disappeared. Well, in Clark Griswold fashion, he was probably, like, under the stage. They probably took him away. He couldn't see any part of the show at all. And uh, I don't know. Did you catch at the end that like his hair was like all messed up? Like he looked like he'd been through some shit in the last 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> it's like the lost movie of like what happened in that two hours. Yeah. He, he fell into the space time continuum. <laughs> and, like, you know, he had to escape their clutches. It was like a whole <laughs> yeah. Tiger King environment, like backstage. Yeah. Yeah. He had to like dodge the meth heads and the crazies. Oh, man. I like that idea. Yeah. Siegfried and Roy is a very strange show. I mean, like... Have you seen it? No, but just from, oh, okay. from what I gather from this movie, it's like, it's very like European and slightly homoerotic. Like, not that that's a bad thing. I am pretty no. sure these are gay men, but like. They're, I, I thought they were, they were married. Something like that. I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's married just with like, each other. It's just like a strange show. Like, it was kind of of its time. And I think now, mm. I think, I don't know if this is still true. Like it was replaced with the more edgy Chris Angel. You know, like he's the edgy yeah. magician guy. Like he has like emo hair and stuff. Yeah, there's, I mean, there are so many shows in Vegas. It's unbelievable. It's like every single like major hotel like that has their own shows and their own actor or magician, I should say, or a singer or a performer or um, group of performers doing different shows. 
Um, and they lock them up for like a couple years at a time, unless they're something like Siegfried and Roy, which I think they were pulling in numbers for like 20 years or something. Yeah. You know? so like David just, Copperfield was out there, right? Yeah. That was another yeah, the writer that was there for a long time. <laughs> the writer. Yeah. yeah. He was out there. <laughs> he, wrote, he read his books on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Narrated by David Copperfield. Not only did I have to like buy his book for 20 bucks, I paid $150 to hear him read his bullshit on stage. It's like a total like Andy Kaufman yeah. bit. <laughs> totally. It's like, man, these David Copperfield tickets were so cheap. How did you get them? I got them from the scalper. <laughs> All right. Uh, so what happens a little bit later on after this Siegfried and Roy show is they go visit Cousin Eddie. Now, on the way there, there's what I assume is a famous vacation trope, the Holiday Road song. Yeah, the Holiday Road song is featured in, I know for sure, the original one and the Christmas Vacation and Vegas Vacation. I don't know about the European one. Probably is that, the, right? Yeah, probably. Um, but the big scene here is with Christy Brinkley driving the Ferrari. She was in the original one in 83, driving the Ferrari, wearing the same dress. Dude, she didn't look like she aged at all in I was going to say, she, she looks so good. that <laughs> Dude, 15 years later, she looks just as good as she did in 83. Does it always end with like a joke? Like, because it looks like she's flirting with Clark. But then in this movie, it ends with like a joke. Like, but I have a baby. Yeah. Well, on the original one, so they were like passing each other up on the road, right? And like kind of flirting a little bit and and like looking at each other and glances and stuff. And then they actually talk to each other at the bar. They end up staying at the same hotel and they're talking to each other at the bar. And he like tries to play off this whole thing like, oh, I actually own all these hotels and I go out and stay at them to make sure that like... You know, that the quality's good and blah, blah, blah. What just movie total, total is that bullshit. in? That's in the original Vacation one. Oh, okay. And so he's just totally tr- bullshitting her, trying to impress her, right? And then so she's finally like, okay, let's go for a swim. And they go skinny dipping out in the pool. And then he gets caught, naturally. And Ellen is pissed, of course. So anyways, 15 years later, he, sees he runs again. into her again out on the open road. And she has a baby, which may be his. We don't know. No, they never no. slept together. No, I'm just kidding. It's but, been too long, clearly. <laughs> yeah, she was <laughs> pregnant for 14 years. <laughs> Would have been awesome. But um, he does mouth the words, remember me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And anyway, kind of a fun scene. It's kind so, of pay, paying homage to the original. Yeah. For sure. And they go to Cousin Eddie's place, which, like we said, is in this, like fallout ridden former nuclear test site and it's just like a really shitty rv <laughs> what do you think of my spread huh can you believe it they used to test h-bombs on this beautiful piece of property oh. <laughs> eddie uh, don't you worry about radiation all i know clark is that my teeth have never been whiter and my garden is spitting out 50 pound tomatoes <laughs> there's tons of kids running around and yeah i mean that's just how they live but they seem happy don't they that's the thing. They're always kind of happy-go-lucky no matter what, except for Catherine. Now, that Catherine is Ellen's cousin. That's how the family is related. Right. Okay. But she's always some kind of hot mess, and it's usually involving being pregnant and kids and whatever. One of the things I like most about this scene is when Eddie goes to, like, make lunch for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Clark's like, all right, where's the grill? 
And he just like throws the chicken on the fucking rock and it starts cooking. It's like so fucking hot out there in Vegas. Like you just toss the meat on a random boulder. Yeah. And and, and like that's funny enough. But then he goes, I'm going to go get the tongs. Like you need tongs even though you're just like throwing it on the fucking dirt basically. Yeah. Well, you got to flip it somehow. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I mean, you don't want to touch it with your bare hands or anything. (laughs) Don't you know how do you get salmonella touching raw chicken? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what happens to Rusty. Because he gets sick. Yeah, he does get sick. Yeah. But we meet Vicky and some other kid. I'm guessing the other kid is like a throwback to another movie, but he's got like all these piercings and like he, he can't even open his mouth. Yeah, he uh, was like some little fat kid in the Christmas Vacation movie. Okay, he must and, be Rusty's age, right? Well, in the Christmas Vacation movie, he was younger by a few years. But like in this movie, like he looks way older than Rusty. It's the piercings, dude. Yeah, the piercings make him look older. Yeah. I mean, like this guy is like ridiculous. Like all his like top lip and lower lip are like pierced together. He's got like 20 piercings in each ear. I mean, like, whatever you could put a hole in on your face, he did. Well, he's even got, like, the forehead. I don't know what yeah. they're called. I don't know anything um, about him. I mean, I can't say too much. I have facial piercings, obviously. Yeah. So, I, what can I say, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm... Uh, For but, the record, Corey has a bone through his nose. <laughs> <laughs> don't be talking about a grampy bone. <laughs> That's, like, in a very obscure Fallout 2 reference that no one's going to get. Anyway, we meet, also meet Vicky. Who kind of forms a bond with Audrey and Vicky is the local famous stripper. The fucked up thing is cousin Eddie tells her to like do a dance for the family. He's like, hey, show him that famous move that you do. And it's not a really good move. It's just awkward. Yeah. But like the fact that they have a pole on the yard, like there's nothing there structural wise, like anywhere except for the trailer. And then somehow they've got this random pole. Yeah. They've erected a pole for her practice. Yeah. But it's like not even the size of a stripper pole. It's like the size of like like a fence post. Like it's pretty big. <laughs> yeah, they're probably like their tetherball court or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the family gets together. Cousin Eddie and his wife Catherine and the Griswolds. They go to the Hoover Dam. I'm going to be completely honest. I fucking hate everything about this scene. What about you? The best part about this scene is Eddie walking around with his fishing pole and a couple of tall cans of bush light. <laughs> like going to the that is the dam. best thing about it. Welcome, everyone. I am your damn guide, Arnie. Now, I'm about to take you through a fully functioning power plant. So please, no one wander off the damn tour. And please take all the damn pictures you want. Now, are there any damn questions? Yeah, we're going to get some damn bait. Eddie. Yeah, and then he makes some kind of a reference about catching a puffer fish. This tour gets better every week. (laughs) This has been better, though. Remember when I had the puffer fish? Yeah, And I'm like, what the fuck? You can't catch a puffer fish at the Hoover Dam. (laughs) Like, first of all, that's a saltwater fish, (laughs) and you're over here. Like, and then you can't fish in the Colorado River. You would think he'd know about fishing. Like, he seems like the kind of guy, like, maybe that's something he'd know about. I think he knows a lot more about bush life than he does about fishing. (laughs) Because that's the only thing he drinks throughout the entire movie is bush life. It's another ad, yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And they're all, like, strategically placed label side out. It's awesome. 
like it's weird to have like the the character like cousin Eddie promote something because you know you usually have someone promote something like you want to be like this guy and drink the same thing like Marky Mark in yeah. the Transformers movie like he drinks a Bud Light and then like smashes it yeah because he you know he's supposed to be cool but you yeah. got like cousin Eddie who's like this greasy greasy fucking dude oh man <laughs> you can be like him drink a Bush Light yeah uh, the Hoover Dam thing though it's yep. all just Chevy Chase a- antics like. It doesn't make any so, fucking sense. Dude, I had so many problems with it. So, I mean, he just like, long story short, he gets lost from the group and he ends up climbing this tower, which is there to support massive electrical lines because <laughs> the Hoover Dam is a fucking power generating station. So he climbs up. And then he's got to go from one tower to the other, which physically it would never, ever be possible because they're so far apart from each other. And when he does that, he ends up grabbing onto one of the electrical lines, which has, dude, probably 60,000 volts or something like that going nothing. through them. It's nothing. And he just grabs right onto it and then it falls and then he just swings straight into the face of the fucking dam. Like, it's so ridiculous. And it has like some really bad green screen. And then he just scales the fucking Hoover Dam, which is like, it's almost vertical. Is it not? Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) There is no possible way. It's so stupid that they have that scene. Yeah. The the whole movie could have really done without that. Yeah. For sure. Whatever. Whatever. What happens later is Ellen gets a mysterious package from what we assume is a secret admirer that has tickets and address to the Wayne Newton show and the family goes there to see Wayne Newton they're right up front but a little quick gag that I think is underappreciated is when Clark he goes to like tip the guy that's taking him to their seat yeah. and he just has like $20 in quarters and it's just like spilling out into the guy's like not even taking it it's just falling yeah. through his fingers yeah. out of the floor yeah the guy's like no gratuity needed <laughs> sir like, <laughs> and he just keeps giving him more and more and it's the just, guy's just like disgusting and just drops the quarters just pulling out handfuls of quarters out of his yeah. pocket yeah that's pretty good what do you think of the Wayne Newton show uh I think it was kind of like Wayne Newton was just kind of like a, a conniving fucking dirtbag. Like he knew what the fuck was happening, you know? Like he sends this dress to Ellen, sends the family tickets, and then the kids are sitting there watching like, dude, Wayne Newton's hitting on mom, you know? But it's like, what do you do? I mean, what could you really do? Swing on him. Dude, <laughs> you're going down forever. You swing on, on Wayne Newton. It's like Beverly D'Angelo says, he's untouchable. But yeah, that's like setting up her side story. Yeah. And after that, this is kind of like my favorite bits of the movie. Like the family like splits up and kind of goes all their own separate ways. Like Clark gives 20 bucks to each kid and he says, go have fun kids. And they're not 21. So like they can't exactly gamble. So they're even though Rusty really wants to. So they're going to go kind of explore in their own ways and... Beverly Angelo goes off and does her own thing first. Um, what's your favorite side of the story? I mean, I, I think my favorite, because like, you could kind of really relate to it, is uh, Rusty. Yeah. It's like, dude, I would love to have like been this 18-year-old kid, or however old he is. You get your fake ID, you know. You end up making friends with Jilly from Philly. Yeah, Jilly um, from Philly. Yeah. There was something I read on IMDb about him. He was like 
the director or he was a, a producer for the film or I don't know, something like that. He, he was looks, actually, he was he actually like somebody. Yeah. What's that? He looks like he'd be a Hollywood producer. Yeah. He was somebody in regards to the National Lampoon's uh, productions. Anyways, and then like, you know, he, he gets lucky, makes a bunch of money for these guys. The guy says, hey, take care of this kid. Get him a room. He gets the biggest freaking suite in the place. You know, It's fucking awesome. Even oh, now. Dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so impressive. I've never been in a hotel room like that. And I've always wanted to. Yeah, I, I haven't either. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not rich enough. Definitely not. <laughs> That's like a $10,000 a night hotel room. For sure. Really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't sure. even know they had hotel rooms that expensive. Oh, dude, it goes up from there. See, I Why thought it would up? just be like 500 bucks, and I was like, I can't afford it. <laughs> dude, you could like get a regular single bed room at like, you know, the Bellagio for like 500 bucks. Oh night. my God, dude. It's crazy. Oh, it's always so sad when a movie makes me realize how fucking broke I am. Yeah, that, you have like circus circus budget, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me out there taking mescaline, dude. Have my own fun. I know, right? Save the money on the room with the mescaline. I'm staying at Imperial Palace and I got a bottle of Jack. I'm right. good. Yeah, not going anywhere. Um, definitely don't go out to the motorcycle races. One thing about Rusty's story, that like the first bit when he's like, because he really wants to gamble. He tries to and fails. He sees a guy on the street that's just like, your typical like Vegas or Hollywood Boulevard guy just like selling maps to the stars or whatever the fuck he's doing. Right. Total like car salesman shyster guy. Except he's like out of the 40s or something for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like, hey, why the long face, pally? Yeah. Anyway, he, he gives him a fake ID. Rusty doesn't even fucking look at it. Doesn't even glance at it. No. Immediately goes, tries to buy alcohol. He says, I'll take one drink. <laughs> and the guy's like, what? Yeah, like, <laughs> I want a drink, please. Yeah. It's like in movies because like, when they can't say brand names, they're like, give me yeah. a beer or a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. That's always funny to me. Yeah. He's like, I'll take one drink. I think he just didn't know what type of drink to order. Yeah. He's going to do the something fruity, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so his fake ID is like a fucking black guy. <laughs> <laughs> So good, dude. They throw them out. I'm surprised that they like, you know, usually if that happens, they'll keep your fake ID. Yeah. We'll give it back to you. So they give it back to them. They're like, here, take this back. Now get the fuck out. (laughs) Yeah. Go try somebody else's hotel, you piece of shit. So when that doesn't work, he gets a new fake ID, uh, one that actually has his face. The guy like has him hold up like the fake ID sign. I've seen that in a few movies and stuff. Like that was an old joke. Uh, but yeah, he holds it up. He gets a, a correct fake ID and he has a new identity. He's now Nick Papa Giorgio. Yes. And he's taken in by Jilly from Philly after he does good at the craps tables. And yeah. he's kind of like, a, he's like joining like this high roller Guido like group of guys. Like they yeah. all like smoke cigars. They're older guys. They wear nice clothes and stuff. And they get massages. And he has, he smokes a cigar while he's getting a massage, which yeah. is cool. <laughs> yeah. Pretty legit right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's kind of like a 90s thing, is it not? Yeah. Like, are you I, smoking in, like, random places? I don't know, man. I, I kind of got, like, kind of got, like, Harvey Weinstein vibes from this guy. <laughs> you know, like, fuck it. I have so much money. I'll just do what I want. But maybe, like, a little safer version of him. Safer, a less rapey version. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to say it. A, yeah. a less jerking off in plants version. In plants. <laughs> You ever heard about that? Yeah. Plants oh. really do it for the man. It's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wins a bunch of cars, which come back later. Yeah. So, like, 
the first one, I don't even know what that was. Like a little like Ford Escort or something like that. Like a dumb piece of shit car, right? Like you don't put in a quarter. Oh, I want a car. Oh, shit. You know? And then he does it with a Dodge Viper. Yeah, that's pretty nice, right? Which is a sick car for sure. That was like a that was like a supercar of the time. Like that if you had a Viper, like you were fucking awesome. So he like wins these cars of like varying quality. Like he gets yeah. like an average like economic like <laughs> Yeah, he gets like that little Ford Escort, which is like, you know, that's like a first car people yeah. should drive. You <laughs> it's know? Like for your first lottery win car. Like your first slot machine win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good I, I, starter slot machine win. Yeah, sure. Warm up. You know, <laughs> you don't want to gradually go into all the rest of the cars. Yeah, and then he ends up like I don't even remember the seeing the scenes where he wins the Mustang and the Hummer. I think it was just like okay, it was implied. Yeah, yeah, it was just implied. So, but anyways, he ends up winning the Escort, the Mustang, the Viper, and the Hummer. But you'll find that out at the end of the movie. And Beverly D'Angelo is off with Wayne Newton. Yeah, she like things slowly start to build up, but it starts off with them just like I guess just getting drinks in the casino and stuff and. Clark. Well, she she says she came down to look for Clark and ran into Wayne Newton. Yeah. And he, so they ended up having drinks together. He was following her, clearly. Yeah, oh, <laughs> like, you don't sure. just run into Wayne yeah, Newton. Yeah, dude. It's unbelievable that Wayne Newton's the most rapey guy in the whole movie, you know? <laughs> he gives her a lock of his hair later on. It's so oh, fucking dude, weird. So weird. <laughs> That's what I mean when I say, like, he agreed to play himself, but also a version of himself that does really weird shit. Yeah. Like, I hope he was just having fun with that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, no one will actually think this is the real me, but like people like me, like I saw it as an impressionable kid. The yeah. only thing I know about Wayne Newton is from this movie. Like yeah. I don't know his fucking career or whatever. I think, I think he was like a child star or singer or something. I have no, I have idea. no idea. Way before my time. Uh, the thing I like though about one of the Wayne Newton interactions is that Randy Quaid like totally like fanboys out when he sees Wayne Newton. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he flips out. Oh my God, it's Wayne Newton. <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. I can't believe I'm standing next to you. Well, here, take, take my seat, Eddie. <laughs> Do you need a bodyguard? I'd die for you. You're like, Wayne Newton, oh my God. <laughs> That's a pretty good moment. Yeah, definitely. But it was also kind of like a good moment because... Uh, Clark and Ellen pawn Eddie off on Wayne and they're able to get away. Yeah. yeah. They, like Clark escapes. Yeah. And Clark, speaking of him, he's off like his gambling addiction is like taking full force. Like that's really his like storyline. Like that's where it begins and ends. Like he just wants to fucking gamble. But he does really poorly at Blackjack when Wallace Shawn. Yeah. Is, Marty. Yeah. Marty played yeah. by Wallace Shawn yeah. is the dealer and he... He's so fucking mean to Clark, is he not? Dude, he's such a piece of shit. But like, he's so good at being a piece of shit, you know? It's like, he's angry at the world because he's bald and short. And so he takes it out on people being their dealer. Here's an idea. Why don't you give me half the money you were going to bet? Then we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. You know... But like I, I, Wallace Shawn's a great actor. He um, is. You know, I, I feel like he's a little bit underrated. He should have been in a lot more movies. For he's sure. very entertaining. Yeah, for sure. It's funny how shitty he is. Total unique personality, and I feel like that role came so naturally to him. Like I don't think he had to try very hard to do that. You I, know, I would like to think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
his name being Marty in that movie was also a tribute to Marty Moose from Wally World in the first movie. Is that like the mascot of their yeah. Six Flags? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, I don't remember that much about that movie, but I remember they go on Colossus. They ride yeah. the roller coaster Colossus. Yeah. Like he's holding um, John Candy at gunpoint to yeah. like get him on this fucking ride. <laughs> yep, that was exactly it. You remembered the scene perfectly. One of my favorite lines from Eddie is when Clark's gambling. Well, crap, salute. Eddie, has anybody ever told you before your bad luck? Those were my mother's dying words. But, you know, when you got your body covered in third-degree burns and your foot's caught in a bear trap, you're going to start talking crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> anyway. There, there's a lot of good one-liners from, from Eddie, for sure, throughout the entire movie. You couldn't, you couldn't quote them all. I mean, he's definitely the most lovable character, I think, in the entire movie. Even in the other vacation movies like he's the one guy that you're like you love the scenes that he's there because you know he's gonna say something that's gonna crack you up or something that's just so ridiculous right and like you said before he does have a big heart which comes into play later so like he kind of grows on you if this is your first vacation movie which it was for me because yeah. it starts off it's like oh this guy's kind of a pest but then like you see like he he really has good intentions Right. And and that's that same true storyline for all the other movies as well. Nice. Yeah, for sure. Audrey is off with her cousin Vicky and they're like <laughs> for no reason at all they hang out with like a weird Beatles cover band that like have almost no lines but they're just there awkwardly. <laughs> but basically all her friends are like strippers, right? Uh I don't know if they're all strippers but she says they're all Vegas performers. I think it's so, implied. I don't know. There a few of the friends. They sure didn't look like they were going to be strippers. I mean, like I wouldn't pay money to go see Beatles stripping. You know what I no, mean? No, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't think the guys are. Oh, <laughs> like the other chicks. Yeah. There's like oh, yeah, the chicken, sure like the cat costume and stuff. Like the yeah, 60s. I'm sure they're all dancers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They could like to be called dancers, not strippers. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, exactly. And get your proper vernacular going. <laughs> I know, later. right? Okay. <laughs> uh, we have a big stripper audience here at Big Dumb Movie. This, our Showgirls episode really reeled them in, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> she doesn't have a lot to do in the movie, Audrey. So her thing is like, I've never really cut loose. So here in Vegas, I'm going to start dancing with my cousin Vicky. And she like starts to like dress sexy and stuff. Yeah, they take her to like this like stripper boutique yeah. uh, to get some clothes. Now, aren't you a little slosser? Are you thinking of dancing, honey? Uh, no. You've got a body for it, though. I do? Thanks. Well, if you're thinking about it, do it while you're young and foolish. Well, actually, I'm going to go to college in the fall, but I'm hoping to do some volunteer work this summer. Our prime years are few and fast. <laughs> Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Helen, show this girl something with a heel. Uh, definitely not something that you would wear unless you really wanted to be known as... A dancer. She looked good to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely worth 20 bucks, that's for sure. <laughs> there was one scene where Eddie was with uh, Clark while he was gambling. Clark was playing three hands of blackjack against Marty at a time, right? And yeah. so, and he's like, he's betting pretty high. Like, I want to say he's betting like 25 or 50 bucks a hand playing three hands at Oof. a time. He loses like 
I don't know, $3,600 or $5,000 or something like that. And the line that Eddie says is, I ain't seen a beating like that since somebody stuck a banana in my pants and turned the monkey loose. <laughs> like, dude, he just like comes up with good lines like that all the time. That is a good moment, actually. Yeah, I, for sure. I do appreciate that. You know, like, wow, Clark, you're such a piece of shit. Like, you're so bad at fucking poker, man. Uh, blackjack, but like, I'm sorry, blackjack. Are you good at blackjack? No, I don't. I don't do cards, man. Okay, I'm awful. I don't understand that fucking game, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand them. It, I understand the concept, but there's like... Me too. I just don't understand how to win. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what that's I mean when story. I say that. Yeah, that's a whole different story. I mean, there's so many ins and outs and what have yous that... <laughs> there's a lot of... Uh... <laughs> I hope you get that reference. Yeah, I do. Okay, good. I hope our listeners do. I'm not going to say the name of the movie. <laughs> yeah, me either. But we know what we're talking about, okay? She, she kidding after herself, man. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Where's the fucking money? <laughs> um. Anyways, what Clark does though, he's 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 on a mission to beat Wallace Shawn at blackjack. Like he wants nothing more than to just like dominate this guy. But he gets worked, man. He loses all their money. Basically, he he says the number. I think it's twenty two thousand six hundred. Eddie, I've gambled away more money than you'll ever understand. Try me. $22,600. Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, my God! Oh, God! <laughs> Eddie! Oh, oh, my God! Please, please, please. Um, mm, Clark, I don't know what I want to tell Ellen. I mean... He loses all of the family's money playing blackjack. He's awful. He's a total gambling addict, at least in this movie. I assume in other movies he has other vices that pop up. Is that like a... Is that a recurring thing? In the first movie, um, they definitely like he there's a scene where he runs out of cash at some point and then he needs to cash a check. The guy was like, I can't cash the check unless you're staying here at our hotel. And he bangs on the countertop and the register pops open and the guy had walked away. So he just like left this check that he'd already written out. And just took whatever cash was in the register. <laughs> really? It was probably not equivalent to whatever the check was. But So so he's the kind of guy that'll do whatever it takes for his end goal, I see. I get it now. That kind of guy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He he's definitely goes to the extremes. That's for sure. After the all the family has kind of like flourished in their own way in Vegas, they meet up again. And Clark is the, like down and out. And he's kind of like, I think he's desperate to get his family back together because like, He's completely failed at his other quest of like beating Wallace John at cards. But for reasons I don't fully understand, the family just basically tells him to fuck off, right? Well, I'll give you some perspective. So he basically, now that he had no more money to gamble, he all of a sudden has this revelation that they should be spending family time together. And now Ellen's like, okay, well, you want to spend time with me now? Now that you're done gambling, you can go fuck off, you know? Yeah. So that's what she was really pissed about. Like, she was pissed at the addiction and the neglect and said, forget it. I'm going to go do my own thing. Her her outfit during that scene is like insane. She's wearing this. Did you see what it said on her chest? A Wayne Waniac? Yeah. yeah. Waniac. <laughs> she has like a, a Wayne Newton costume that she's wearing that says yeah. Waniac. Yeah. 
It's, it's crazy. so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And her chest was very out. It was. He's like covering it. Yeah, it's funny. Clark's like holding his hand above her chest. So in Clark's desperation, he turns to Cousin Eddie, who is always willing to lend a helping hand. And Cousin Eddie takes him out for lunch at a at a $1.49 buffet. Oh, yeah. Yep, the $1.49 buffet, man. That's high quality right there. Eddie, thanks for buying me dinner. Best buck 49 buffet in town, Clark. Uh, Clark, this is all you can eat. We only need one plate. Oh, yeah, okay. I went to one buffet in Vegas, and it was really nice, and it was awesome. Have you ever been to a buffet like this? Fuck no. <laughs> no, no. Dude, the I mean, disgust this, on dude, your face, Jonathan. Oh, dude, I mean, it's hideous. I mean, you go in there. This is the kind of buffet that it was like... It's like they made their spaghetti with like dog food or something, you know? And it's like they have this like massive tray of yellow shit and they have this massive tray of blue shit. It's and just they're, goo. They, and it says, yeah, it's it's just like it's like yellow gravy and blue gravy. And one says chicken and one says beef. And Clark is like, oh, I'll take some of the yellow, you know? And, Dude, that's and don't like- go skimpy on me. <laughs> that's one of my favorite bits in the whole movie because like randy quaid he's so like like this is his environment like this is the perfect buffet for him like he probably considers this to be like a really fancy dinner oh dude he he walks up all proud and he's like i'll take some of the yellow and don't go cheap on me (laughs) yeah he's so proud that he had enough money to like take clark out to lunch at this place and like the guy that works there even looks kind of gross like he doesn't like he doesn't have like snot running down his face but like he has the perfect, like, face for this kind of, like, gross buffet environment. He looks like he's selling heroin out the back door of <laughs> the might. fucking kitchen. You know? He might be, like, yeah. Yeah, total greaseball <laughs> kind of guy like that. Like, he, you could tell he hates his life. Like, he looks like he's doing this job only because he's doing other things on the side and needs a front. It's, it's, it's so perfect because the guy's in the scene for like five seconds, but like he's super memorable to me and clearly to you. Like he's super, he's like establishes like a lot. I feel like he has a face that you could, you've seen like in a lot of other movies, but I can't picture it. Yeah. Maybe he's like, always the random buffet guy. Yeah. He serves the blue and yellow (laughs) and maybe he goes cheap. (laughs) So (laughs) while they're having their lunch, Clark explains to Eddie, like he lost all the money. So, Eddie agrees to help him out, right? Eddie decides that he's going to go ahead and help him out. He says that he saved up some money. The only problem is he buried the money in coffee cans out in his yard. So, he doesn't know exactly where all his money is. So, they have to go all the way out to Eddie's place and dig up all the money. So, they find like a coffee can here, an- another can over here. And I don't know what do they get like. 150 bucks or something like, maybe yeah probably like one of them has like six dollars like yeah you don't even need to bury it at that point right i know and just leave it on a rock with like another rock on top of it <laughs> like you know go back and get it later. no that's where they cook on the rocks yeah right right um so anyway so with like 150 bucks in their pocket they head straight back to vegas clark says something to the tune of like needing to go to a different kind of casino and eddie knows where to take him so they go to this casino and to give you an idea of what type of uh, games they're playing there, this is what's available. Okay. Tell me which one you would pick. Okay. So the first one is pick a number between one and 10. <laughs> 
Lore, if you've ever played that with cards. Oh, sure. I'm pretty sure me and you have played that. Probably. Rock, paper, scissors. Of course. For some reason, they called it rock, rock, scissor, paper, or some, I don't know, some stupid order. Like, that's for <laughs> They can't even get the right Dude. order. Awful. Flip a coin and call it. Heads or tails. <laughs> and guess which hand. Yeah. Pick a hand that the yeah. chip is in, right? Yeah, exactly. Clark fucking fails at every one of these stupid fucking games, too. It's... It's horrible. I've, I've been in casinos like this, I feel like. These are like the random as fuck casinos, you know? Like Yeah. Yeah, these are like the little ones that are like, oh man, it's got to be like attached to like Pat's Diner or yeah. something like that. You know? like not these games, obviously. Like these are not real casino games, but that's obviously the joke. Right. Now I have a question for you because it brings me back every time. Have you ever seen the parody movie Mafia? No. Okay. So you remember like in the 90s and I guess even before when there were all those parody movies coming out of like, of everything, anything, like obviously, you know, Spaceballs and the Mel Brooks ones and stuff, but right. but there was a mob parody movie, which was like a parody of The Godfather, Goodfellas, Casino, like it was like all of them. Okay. And I fucking loved that movie when I really? was a kid. Yeah, it came out in 90. I thought it was so funny. You're it's probably have- not. It's probably awful, but they do the same joke in there, like... They have, like, these fucking games that are just designed to rip you off. So, like, pick a number between 1 and 10. Yeah. And, like, the guy says the number, and the guy's like, no, I, it was a 9. Yeah. It's more obvious in that movie that it's designed to scam you. But to answer your original question, I'd go with the 50-50 coin flip game for sure. Yeah, I think your odds are best <laughs> on, on that for sure. Yeah. I don't know what the payout's like, but that's probably what I'd pick. It, it's, it's probably a, a 2 to 1. <laughs> Two to one odds. Fair enough. Yeah. That casino is fucking stupid, though. Actually, with that one, it's probably a, a, a half to one. <laughs> That's probably what they would pay out. But um, he even fails at that shit. Yeah, dude, that, that whole $150 that he found, like, that was gone in, like, I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes, maybe. And Eddie tries to tell him, like, hey, maybe you better, you know, take it easy. And I think at this point he has like the authentic realization that maybe he was faking earlier. He realizes to himself and says aloud to Eddie like, it's not about the money. It's just about being with my family. I don't care how much money we have. Without my family, there is no Clark Griswold. We can go into business for ourselves. Uh, We can raise more snakes, maybe even open up our own pet zoo. Yeah, that's what we could do. And uh, uh, we can have a lot of happy, wonderful times ahead of us, Clark. But we'll get your money back. Eddie. I'm not worried about my money. I don't care if I ever get my money back. I gotta get my family back. What about my money? You stay here, I'll be right back. Yeah, I mean, obviously you need enough to get home, but. Yeah, well, considering he cashed in his plane tickets, yeah, he's (laughs) fucked. Um, But this moment is actually true for all the other movies too. Like he has this like self revelation that like family is the what's most important and somehow he always forgets that it goes back into perspective and then he does whatever he has to do as a dad and a husband and a family man to make shit right and and take care of his family i see so it's a, it's a it's a vacation movie trope i didn't know that yeah like something always gets fucked up and then clark has to fix it because usually he's the one that caused the problem right yeah. That makes sense. That yeah. seems true to his character, at least the way he is in this movie. Yeah, and 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 you can see that when you watch the other ones too, for sure. The, the way he goes about this, 
He hijacks like a Vegas tour bus, drives it into fucking Wayne Newton's house. Now, I'm not talking into his lawn, into his driveway. He drives it into his fucking house. He just like crashes in. Yeah, somehow conveniently he knows exactly which room Wayne and, and Ellen are in eating pasta. And he crashes through the room into the house and he's still covered in dirt from digging up all the money at Eddie's house and like pasta goes flying. Ellen's got it all over her dress because she decided to wear that same dress for the second night in a row without it getting washed. Disgusting. Pasta. She's like wearing pasta like half the time after that. Yeah, she's got like that's a real spaghetti strap. (laughs) Jesus. Stupid. Speaking of dad jokes. (laughs) Ta-da. Uh, the movie's full of them. So they they, uh, they reconnect, and basically Wayne Newton pisses off. And they're on a mission to get the kids back together. Right. So they find Rusty first. And he's in, like, some, like, hoity-toity, like, fancy rich guy high roller party. It's just surrounded by women. Somehow he's got this massive room at the hotel they're staying at, at the Mirage. And his parents didn't know about it. And the guy's like, oh, Nick Papa Giorgio? Yeah, he's in Lanai 6, which is the name of the, the room. That's right. He's built a reputation. Yeah. Everyone knows Nick Papa Giorgio. Everyone knows Nick. Which I, I accept. But how the fuck does everyone know how to pronounce his name correctly? Because they look at the ID and they say, hello, Mr. Papa Giorgio. If you read that name, you would be like... Uh, how do you print them? Pop- pa- Pappy, pa- Pap- Papi Giorgio? Right, everyone like, just gets it right. Like, what like is everyone that? just speaks Italian? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> it's like, wow. So anyways, but yeah, so they, find, they end up finding Rusty and he's like this typical like uh, hot tub scene with a bunch of girls in bikinis around him. You he's know? got like gold trunks and a gold chain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because Jilly from Philly taught him how to dress. You know, and like just bullshit and telling stories that like were totally made up. So I says to him, get your own monkey. And like everyone just busts up laughing. Yeah, exactly. You know what that reminded me of was the scene with Michael Anthony Hall and they were in Weird Science when he's in the bar all drunk and he's talking in that weird voice. He's like, let me tell you my story, man. Last year, I was insane for this crazy little eighth grade bitch. Okay. Crazy, insane? Insane? Crazy? I was nuts for the woman, man. Now you gotta believe me. I'm saying, I'm telling the truth here. I'm speaking to you. I mean, I was nuts for the girl. Is he doing like Richard Pryor impression? Or yeah, something? exactly. Yeah. He's doing something like that. Yeah, that that kind of scene, like that cheese ball kind of scene, reminded me of that. Oh man, we got to do a podcast on weird science. What are we doing with our lives? I'm so down. Oh man, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Add it to the list. <laughs> uh, Audrey's go-go dancing, like we talked about earlier, in a non-script strip club at Club Areola. At Club Areola. Um, no areolas to be seen. No areolas to be even, like, impressioned upon. <laughs> what was funny was, like, they talk about Club Areola being right on the the Vegas um, Strip. But in the scene, you can tell that they're nowhere near the Strip. And I actually know where that scene was. It was actually over on, um, across the street from the Hard Rock restaurant, which is over on Paradise, which is, like, a mile away from the Strip. It's, like, a mile east. Fail, man. I know, right? (laughs) 
Stupid and and stupid here I was design. here I was complimenting their continuity. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the family gets back together. That's the important thing. Uh, they all kind of make amends, and Clark says, "You know what? I'm here to be a father." However, uh, our family is officially broke. We have no money. None of the kids have any money. They've been blowing it, I assume. And Ellen comes up with two bucks and says, "All right, Clark, I'm going to give you this two dollars, and I need you to win our money back somehow." She gives it to the most unlucky man in the world. Just obviously give it to the kid. Nick Papa Giorgio. Okay? Yeah. I mean, he's hot on the tables, is he not? Super hot, dude. <laughs> he could have turned that two bucks into a thousand dollars. Easy. Like, instant. Yeah. yeah. Blinking. Or at least into a car. Or two cars. Or two four. Do- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Depending on if they're a quarter or a dollar. Yeah, that right? varies. Because yeah. sometimes, <laughs> yeah. sometimes he says he puts a dollar in, sometimes it's a quarter. Whatever. It doesn't right. matter. So they actually, uh, so the, he lets Ellen pick the hotel or the casino to go to, and she points to the MGM. So there's, you know, another advertisement right there. And like little trivia fact. So that um, MGM at that time, you get this quick flash of like a huge gold lion, right? Yeah. And that's how you enter into the casino. But I, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. Okay, that was built. And then after it was built, revealed and opened, MGM within a year or so had to tear it down and rebuild it because a huge part of the Vegas uh, industry is um, uh, travelers from China and Chinese people had believed that it was bad luck to enter through the mouth of a lion so they wouldn't go to the MGM. So a ton of their business was lost over the year that that was open. Hold up. Let me just ask some questions here. Yeah. So the Chinese people, the good people of China, they think it's bad luck to enter the mouth of a lion. Yes. How? Like, how have they encountered situations where they enter a mouth of a lion, if not the MGM casino? Did they... Did that come from Vegas specifically? What? Like, what, what other situations do they enter a mouth of a lion? It's certainly not literal, right? Why is the sky blue, man? <laughs> what, why are boobs good, man? I mean, it just is, all right? <laughs> and if you don't get that, that was a Joe Dirt reference. No, I got it. Okay, good. <laughs> but, not, I'm not talking about the sky, okay? I'm talking about the MGM lion here. <laughs> He's just a little boy. He's just a little bitty boy. <laughs> Oh, God. There's another podcast we need to do. <laughs> Look, um, I just don't understand. Like, wh- I don't either, but it's a different culture. And you know that the, the Asian cultures have like a, um, a very strong, I want to say, belief in, in um, animal guides and references and what they mean and what they stand for on that spiritual level uh, going back for, I mean, ever. So... I, I would think that there's probably a lot of truth to that. Fair enough. All right. I won't question it, but... Fact check it's, it's us. A, it's a good factoid. Yeah. Fact check me. If I'm way off my rocker, mm-hmm. then, you know, just comment it on the YouTube <laughs> and uh, I will forever change Be my view on that. <laughs> Shame Jonathan if he's yeah. wrong about anything. Yeah. And we're not really big enough for our listeners to like Google everything we say, so... <laughs> Hey, man. Maybe we'll don't, get there. Don't downscale us, all right? <laughs> if somebody wants to fact check me, I'd love it. Shout out to our Indian listeners, by the way. We get a lot of listeners in India. I think more so than the United States, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. Especially on Baby's Day Out. 
Yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> big, big movie in India. Anyway, so they go into this casino. They got two bucks. They're going to play Kino. Kino is kind of like Powerball for those that don't know, I guess. Yeah, it's like a two-minute lottery. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Kino is pretty interesting. I played it last time. Maybe not last time, but a couple trips ago to Vegas. Yeah. Like, there are weird rules. Like, if you if you get all your numbers, like, wrong, you also win. So, like, you don't have to hit every number. You yeah. can also not hit every number or you can like not hit three quarters of the numbers or there's like, there's like a little list of rules they give you. It's pretty, it's pretty, I don't know. It's kind of fun to sit down and play casino if you don't want to run around, but you still want to gamble. I think like every place has their own like house rules when mm-hmm. it comes to that. Like I know that when I've played before, like zero hits, um, you don't get anything where I, where I was playing anyways, oh. but like you had to hit like at least four numbers or like you hit two number, two or three numbers, you get your money back, which is like a dollar or whatever, you know? But if you, the more numbers you hit, the more progressive the payout is. You remember Kino from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Use? I remember the name. Yeah. Oh, that was the little kid, right? He was, he was like a teenager. Yeah. yeah. Ernie Reyes Jr. Yeah. I like to think that like he plays a lot of Kino and that's how we got the name. But I guess he's not old enough. Anyway. So the family He was playing back alley Kino <laughs> yeah. on like underground. <laughs> yeah, like a guy with a little like rolling a ball machine, like like <laughs> yeah. a hand reel. Like know, right. <laughs> anyway, uh they sit down, they play Kino, they have all their hopes invested in this one game because it's their last two bucks as a family. And they're sitting next to an old man, Coach Calhoun from Greece. Yeah. <laughs> you, That's you, him. Oh yeah. Totally got it. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. I think that that is like the only thing that I really remember him from besides this movie. Yeah. And he obviously hits the big ticket, does he not? Right. Well, they have this moment that like he's a really lonely guy. He was never married, didn't have kids or anything like that. Um, You know, uh, so he and Clark kind of bonded and Clark was like, you know what? Well, you can be part of our family for the night. And that was like just this amazing like moment of appreciation from the old man and um that takes us to the next scene yeah where he dies immediately (laughs) he dies immediately after winning and he's he says this like weird thing where it's like i win i win the money the money is mine yeah and i still say that like all the time like it's so funny it's a quote that stuck with me but like nobody ever gets it but i still say it like hoping one day that somebody will i'm the guy that would get that yeah i'm your one friend jonathan that would get that okay good so i can say it around you next time next time i win something like i'm gonna call you i'll be like i win the money I won. The money is mine. I have the money. The money is mine. I got it for the first time. I got the money. If um, you call me after winning the lottery, yeah. my expectation is that you're going to have a heart attack and give me the ticket. <laughs> I'm sorry. No no guarantees, <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you some funding to promote the podcast, okay? <laughs> you're going to be like, I won the money. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I think you said take the ticket. Sorry, Jonathan's family. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like in this scene, like the old man dies like three times he and does. then he wakes up and then he like whispers something for like 10 seconds. Like yeah, he's really going on. It was really long rant. And then Clark's like, I think he said to take the money. And you're like, really? That's all he said? Like surely he was like, look, I want you to take this ticket. I need you to find... 
Joanna Smith in Las Vegas. She's my nearest akin. She's at this address. Like it was, it was probably more akin to something like yeah, that. And he's exactly. just like, oh, he said, take the ticket, you know? <laughs> right. And then EMS shows up and they're like, oh, he was the loneliest old man in the world. And, uh, you know, he'd have given We all anything. knew him. <laughs> yeah, we all knew him. Fucking loser. And, you know, he'd have given anything to be, uh, to have a family for a night or something. I mean, yeah, it's like these local paramedics, like, are like, have a deep connection with this guy. Like, like how many fucking times does this guy die, dude? <laughs> he does this every week. Apparently. People are down and out in Vegas. He wins Kino, gives him the ticket. Pretends exactly. to die. Oh, God. So, anyways, and then they're about to lose the ticket by uh, this guy walking by with the vacuum. Okay, so I want to speak to this. Yeah. It's little reasons like this that I appreciate the movie because the problem with this movie mostly is the script. Not a great script, right? There's not a lot in writing. Right. But they add these... Like, that's a good small moment of tension to add to that. Even the Kino scene. Like, the family gets back together. You would think everything is resolved, but they have to win their money back, so they go play Kino. So they play Kino, and they don't win, but... The guy next to them wins. And you think, okay, well, they're screwed, but he dies. And he gives them the ticket. Okay, well, they got the ticket. Everything is good, right? But the vacuum. So, it's good to have these little, like, bits in there. Like like I said, the script isn't great, yeah. but that's a compliment to the direction and a little bit to the script as well. Yeah, totally. I agree with you. Even that exact, like, movement where he, like, sticks his toe out, puts it on the ticket, and drags it closer to himself. Like, that's still something that I even do, like, at home when the opportunity arises. Man, I swear to God, you and me have the weirdest shit from movies that sticks in our mind. Yeah. Seriously. It's unbelievable. (laughs) So much of the music in this movie, yeah, like, I remember I was in, uh, one time when I was in rehab, um, one of the scenes from this, this movie was just playing in the background and it was the guy that sells the fake ID and he goes, don't they know what it's like to be a boy on the town when he's in love and he starts singing and I started singing along with him and everyone just looked at me and said, how many fucking times have you seen this movie? And I was like, dude, when I watch a movie, I watch the fuck out of it. Right. Yeah. You find something that's good, man. You just keep enjoying it or many times. that's subpar and for some reason i like <laughs> <laughs> yeah which tends to be most of the movies i like at least the ones i podcast on <laughs> yeah definitely so the family has all their money they're gonna drive back to chicago one big thing right before that uh clark and ellen go to the famous little chapel in Vegas and renew their wedding vows, That's which right. was one of the big events that was supposed to happen for this whole trip. They talked about it in the very first scene. He said that they're going to renew their vows, but she had not accepted Yeah. while they're going through all their family bullshit. There's a good moment. This sticks out with me. And I think of it whenever I, like, I see the rice at wedding. Yeah. The kid with all the piercings just takes a handful of rice and just throws it as hard as he can <laughs> yeah. in Clark's face. Total, like, uh, just fastball of <laughs> rice right to his face. Like, such a dickhead. <laughs> it's so <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> but I feel like that would be something fun to do, though. Like, yeah. I would love to just throw a handful of uncooked rice in somebody's face, like, point blank. <laughs> Where else would you get the opportunity? <laughs> so good. It's classic. At the very end, before they go home, Rusty reveals the four cars that we talked about earlier. So, uh, he got them. He won these cars in false pretense, like, illegally. He's not old enough to gamble, but they, they keep the cars and they drive home to Chicago in them. Vegas to Chicago. 
going to be a good trip. It's a long drive. That's a long drive. <laughs> I mean, it's long for enough sure. for us. It's long enough to drive the, what, five hours to get there if you don't stop? Yeah. Four and a half if you don't stop? Shit. It, last time I went, I, I did the flight. I did the one hour flight. Dude, it's so nice. It's so much Dude, easier. We, we, when you fly from Burbank to Vegas, like by the time you get, you know, your, your complimentary drink or whatever, and you get up to elevation... You're already descending again. It's They're so like, nice. all right, hurry up and, you know, slam your drink because we need to collect the trash already. <laughs> yeah. You don't even get to listen to a full podcast. <laughs> no, it's like 45 minutes, I think. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, one thing, last thing about the movie before the credits roll, they're driving on the highway and they do a little car stunt for some reason. Yeah. The little crisscross from like one, the first lane to second lane. I have no idea why they did that. There's no reference to that in any of the other movies. It's just kind of ridiculous. It's just a little like little spark that they wanted to add at the end, I guess. It doesn't even look like it was real driving though either. That you know what? It, I agree. It didn't look real, but I'm pretty sure it had to have been real. Like Yeah. If it was 1997 CGI, it would have like been way obvious, I think. Yeah. But it was like it was just so fast. Oh, you know what? So, it's probably sped up. I don't know for sure, but you know. Yeah. No, sure. that would make sense. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's Vegas Vacation. Any final thoughts before we go into ratings? No. All right, well then let's go right into ratings. Jonathan, on any rating scale you want, what's it going to be Vegas Vacation? I'm going to give this movie one out of two hard Audrey nipples. <laughs> um, it's a bad movie. So it's down one nipple, but it's a good movie. So it's up one, <laughs> you know, it's, it's bad jokes. It's good jokes. It's campy. It's funny. It's ridiculous at times, but it also holds true to the lot of the, uh, of national lampoons vacations from the past. You're familiar with the characters. If you've seen one of the national lampoons vacations, um, then you kind of have seen them all. You feel like you're connected with that family. You know how they're going to act and how they're going to be. And so it's worth a watch for sure. Especially if you liked the first one or Christmas or God forbid you actually enjoy the European one. It's worth watching it. Fair enough. What's the beer that Randy Quaid drinks? Bush Light. All right. I'm going to give it six out of ten Bush Lights. Tall cans tall cans of bush lights all right so that's it's a little bit above half for me this is my rating i'm not saying this is the objective rating by any means which i mean, I guess all my ratings are this way but if for me it's it's a little bit better than bad it, i mean it's it is bad but it's like you said it's also like i enjoy it for some reason and that, most of that reason is nostalgia and when i was a kid if I watched the movie and just didn't put it on once, I'd replay that shit over and over. I watched the fuck out of this movie. It's grown on me like a fungus. So I, I do like this movie. Like I said before, I like it. It's not exactly good, but I like it. So it gets a little bit above half for me. If you're ever wondering if you should watch this movie, the answer is probably no. I'm just going to be right out front about that. I don't think it's necessarily like seek this one out. But if it's on in the background, just keep it playing. I'd agree to a degree, <laughs> for lack of a better term at the moment. He agreed a degree. Yeah. 
I think if you're gonna watch it, I think you should not have it in the background. I think you should actually pay attention to it because there are some good lines in there and there is some good quality to the movie more or less, but it's worth actually watching it, not just like having it on as noise because then you're gonna miss the things that are, that do actually make it a, a good movie. Well, fair enough. There you have it. Two opinions that are similar but different, just like our opinions on the movie, I guess. Similar, good but bad, but bad but good. Yeah, exactly. How do you rate Vegas Vacation? I have no idea. We'd love to hear from you, though. Let us know what you think of this movie. Is it a disaster? Is it awesome? Who's to say? If you want to write in, you can email us. BigDumbMovie at gmail.com Give us a thumbs up if you listen to us on YouTube. If you use Apple Podcasts, if you have an iPhone, please give us a positive rating and a written review. We love that. It helps us out immensely. And uh, tell us what you would like us to review in an email or in a comment or on Instagram, Big Dumb Movie Podcast. Tell us what you want us to do. We might do it. I would love to do more requests. I don't know. You know what kind of movies we do. Keep them coming. Any final words for the audience, Jonathan? No. No, no final words for you guys. So that's it. We love you. Good night. Good night.